0: This is Performance Delivered, Insider Secrets for Digital Marketing Success with Stefan Horst and Dave Antiel. Welcome to the Performance Delivered, Insider Secrets for Digital Marketing Success podcast, where we talk with marketing and agency executives and learn about how they build successful businesses and their personal brand. I'm your host, Stefan Horst. Today, I have not only one, but two guests on the show. I'm joined by Lynn Rundell and Richard Baumgartner. They are the founder of Hero Marketing, an integrated marketing and advertising services agency located in San Francisco. Both have over 20 years of business marketing and account management experience, working with companies like Kaiser Permanente, Charles Schwab, Men's Warehouse, and Intuit, to mention just a few. Lynn and Richard, great to have you on the show. Hi, Stefan. Hi, Stephen.
1: <laughs> Hi there. Thank you. Thanks for having
0: us. Well, you're welcome. Um, we obviously recently had a chance to work together and and support your team. I have to say I really loved the experience, the strategic thinking and creative execution of your team. You could really tell that your entire staff went the extra mile to ensure the campaign was success. So, Richard Lynn, tell the listeners a little bit about hero marketing.
1: Hero? is uh, what we call an Integrated Marketing Solutions Agency. We focus on performance media or measured media. Uh, So anything that we go out and ask for a response and we can measure our results. Um, Richard and I founded the agency about six and a half years ago after meeting at another agency uh, where we were both working and we just decided that we thought this was something that we could do pretty well. Um, And when we started Hero, we really went at it from the perspective of what kind of an agency didn't we want? Because we were thinking about our brand, you know, you do the the whole kind of branding exercise, and we really were thinking about the places we've worked and situations that we didn't love. And so then we went the opposite way as we thought about building the agency and what kind of clients we wanted to bring on and what sort of operational philosophies we wanted to have. Um, and and it was an interesting approach because we're often reminded when we're doing a pitch or we're meeting with prospective clients um, to think about that and think, do they really fit the kind of agency we want to have and the work environment we want to have for our, our employees? And You know, it's one of those things where people talk about uh, a work-life balance, and it can be really difficult in the agency world where you're driven by client deadlines, and you've got to work on their schedules. But we've been able to be pretty good about recognizing that people want to sign off in the evening. They want to spend time with their families. They don't want to work every weekend. And that's really driven us forward.
0: A lot of what you just said uh, resonates quite well with me because that's what we do here at Simple Digital too in regards to work environment, work-life balance. Um, in the beginning, you said you wanted to be different than the agency that's are, that are out there. So how are you different when it comes to the topic around work environment and work-life balance?
1: Well, one of the things that we've done from the beginning is allowed for more work from home or work anywhere options than I think many agencies do. Uh, we have always had, at a minimum, one to two work-from-home days, uh, including Mondays. Mondays have been a consistent piece of that. And our belief was everybody enjoys their weekend a lot more. If Sunday night at 5 or 6 o'clock, they don't begin the weekly dread of thinking, you know, oh, boy, tomorrow's Monday and I got to get back into the groove and think about work. So allowing them to work from home or wherever they'd like on Monday also allows them to maybe extend a longer weekend and they work at a cabin or their beach house or wherever they might be, but also means that you don't have to get up at, you know, five or six in the morning to get on BART and get to the office. So that's been a part of it. and it's It's also something that we now have carried further forward as we've gone back to being a dispersed workforce agency. Uh, So at this point, we gave up our great big fancy office on Market Street in San Francisco and we rented a smaller kind of hoteling or workspace site downtown. And employees get to decide if they want to go in there and work or if they'd rather work at home or at a local coffee house or, again, at their mom's house for a visit, whatever it might be. Um, And we very rarely require people to come in. It's based on client need and workload so that's part of it Um, we also recognized early as a smaller agency that we'd have a hard time competing with all the amazing perks and benefits and pay that you find in the Bay Area so what we've done is we've worked hard to give our employees what I call um, some softer benefits and that includes in the first year they get about six weeks of combined PTO and paid holidays, and then that just goes up the longer they stay with us. So significantly more PTO and paid holidays than you find at a lot of agencies, and certainly companies or agencies our size. Um, So we look for those sorts of opportunities. We have medical and dental. We, a few years ago, added a 401K with an immediate match, and things that we felt we could do where again, maybe we don't have football tables and free food every day, and some of these other things that you find in the Bay Area, but we do offer benefits that again go back to a happier life, a happier employee.
0: That's that's interesting. Um, I, I would think, and I would think that when you have people work remote, and it's probably what, what people are saying that listening to the podcast, they will say, "Well, yeah, but." But how do you control quality? How do you control that um, the people that work for you actually are doing the job and that they're doing the job right? How would you respond to them?
2: Wow. Well, I would say that it, it of course, starts with a hire. So we have a a pretty rigorous screening process and really trying to find those folks who are very self-motivated, who have proven uh, themselves with their track record and their experience. you know uh there's easy little check-ins uh we do weekly video chats uh we get together on screen uh a couple times a week go through all the jobs make sure everyone's clear about what they're doing uh of course keeping i am on all day and without a tool like basecamp uh we it would be much more of a challenge but that really keeps us all on track and all on the same page um i think that ultimately it comes back to finding folks who um, are really self-motivated um, and that that you can trust
1: yeah I was just going to add to that that I think if when you're interviewing you keep that in mind and you think of it as almost a philosophy of work being something you do and not a place you go then you look for the candidates to understand that um, and again as Richard said when we're hiring we look for things like how self-motivated have they proven themselves to be so For example, did they work a couple of jobs and put themselves through college? And, you know, are they the kind of person that will do whatever it takes to meet their personal goals? And usually when you find somebody who's historically shown that kind of a drive, it's just ingrained in them. It's their work ethic and it doesn't go away.
0: Okay. So where do you find those people? (laughs) How do you go about Identifying them. Do you use um, do you lose the likes of Indeed, uh, ZipRecruiter, or other platforms? Do you go after you know um, network referrals that say you should talk to that person? How do you identify the people that you bring on board?
1: Right. Well, it's certainly a challenge, and and it may be a bigger challenge for us than other listeners because the Bay Area is brutal, um, but. Uh, we definitely rely on referrals. That's always our number one choice. And so mm-hmm. when we recognize a need, we'll all put it out to our network. Um, we'll talk to people. We'll talk to current employees. Um, that's always, again, the first choice because a good person usually refers a good person, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. that, that'll that be our first step. Um, again, in the Bay Area, depending on the level of the job, Craigslist can be a good source for us because it tends to attract Um, the folks, the kind of folks that we're looking for. Um, We sometimes use LinkedIn. We sometimes use Indeed. We sometimes use ZipRecruiter. The issue is there's a lot of noise there and you'll get candidates who maybe are are more salespeople than they are agency folks or who obviously just are not qualified. Um, So you just have to weed through it and find the ones that stand out. And and again, you know, depending on the experience level that we're looking for, in some cases if we're looking for a coordinator or um, a junior client strategist, we might start with somebody who has been a manager of a local retail shop or a gym or somewhere where they've had to keep a lot of place in the air and manage schedules and just think about a lot of different details at the same time because they're coming in at a junior project management type level. And then we can help train them and educate them, and we have a, part of our benefits are a self-directed employee development budget every year that we encourage all of our employees to use all of their budget to go to industry events and attend training and webinars and other things. So um, it's certainly not easy, and it can be a long process. But, um, and certainly we've made some mistakes and hired people that just weren't a good fit. And We've had to correct that, um, but right now we have an amazing team. We're looking to add someone, and so we're kind of in the heat of it, and again, we try to ask screening questions and um, look for personality traits and responses that will give us some sense of who they are and whether we think they are that very self-directed person.
2: I think that a part of being in the Bay Area has really forced us to look beyond the Bay Area. There's there's so many competitors here and big companies. And what we're seeing is a lot of uh, companies now, of course, are building out their own uh, creative teams and content teams. That whole trend is back on the rise. So Mm -hmm. um, out of necessity, we've started to work with people out of state, which of course has its benefits from a cost perspective. Uh, Perhaps a time zone difference uh, gives us a little leg up on the next day. So um, it's been a good experience uh, reaching beyond the Bay Area in, in many regards and just expanding the team as the need arises
0: a second ago you mentioned um remote people and and that there's a lot of freedom around the the talent that you have at uh, hero marketing um as they work remote does that also come with you know lower salaries for example because they don't have to come into the office or how are salaries for for my from a remote team perspective, are they still competitive or are you saying you know, what? You, there's an advantage for you that you don't have to drive into the office an hour each way?
1: Right. Um, you know, again, I think it depends on the candidate. Uh, I do think there's a lot of candidates, especially maybe who are a little bit older, that see the value in having the time. And so they're willing to take a little bit less money, uh, or a little bit lower salary, because they gain back their commute time. They don't have the cost associated with a commute. They don't have to necessarily invest as heavily in a um, professional work wardrobe because we're not in the office every day. Not that agency yeah. stuff super professional work wardrobes, but. You know, there are those sorts of things. The reality is again, if we're looking at Bay Area candidates, most of them are looking for a Bay Area salary, uh, especially younger folks, because if somebody's dangling fifteen or twenty or twenty five thousand dollars more a year than we are, and sometimes that's the case, mm-hmm. I think it's hard when you're struggling to make your rent or get a little bit ahead or pay off student loans. To say the trade off of more time at home is worth it for me, right? So it's very much a case by case basis, but I do think age plays a big part in it. I think, uh, home life and whether you have children or not will make a difference. Uh, but some people are going to be in it just for the most money they can possibly make. And those are not going to be the best candidates for us because again, we're never going to be that size company that's paying the biggest salaries.
0: Yeah so when you when you hire someone you identify that you know after a while that that they are not who you thought they are how how do you how do you deal with that how do you approach the situation of of probably first telling the person you know what um you need to pick it up a little bit or um the delivery is not good um how does that how do you approach that
1: I'm gonna Say again it's very much a case-by-case basis Um, I think some people you recognize are trying and maybe you can coach them through it Uh, I think there's other people that early on you realize that if this is the best they can give me and we're in our first 30 60 90 days um, I'm not going to coach them out of it right so there's different approaches that that are going to work differently or that we're going to use depending on what we see in the person um, if it really is just a skill set and they're young and we think we can train them and coach them we absolutely start them on a development program and we're always honest about you know here's where we we really think you need to pick it up and here's how we want to work with you um, in other cases it's simply a matter of recognizing they're just not the right fit for whatever reason um, culturally Skill-wise, they're just never going to get where we need them to be. Uh, and then you just have to rip off the Band-Aid, for lack of a better term. It, it certainly doesn't help your business, and it doesn't help the person if you keep them on longer than you should, right? If it's not a right fit, it's not a right fit, and they should go out and find something where ultimately they'll be happier. Um, and we as business owners have to find some someone who better fits our needs both to make our clients happier, but also to keep our existing employees feeling like everybody's playing at the same level, right? Everybody's contributing at the Mm -hmm. same level.
0: What are some of the coaching approaches you use in order to get them in line or get them to deliver? Is there anything specific that you have applied in the past um, that was really successful?
2: Well, it's always a case-by-case basis. Um, I I tend to think that people want to do a really good job for you. Uh, and getting aligned on expectations is, is probably the first step. So we certainly, um, we, we we preach and practice being good listeners. Um, you wanna have empathy, but at the end of the day, I think that laying out a very clear plan uh, for reaching the mutual benefit is what's needed. Um, you know, there's a, a big difference in working with a more mature workforce. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, people who I have done this a long time and are really great at just the task at hand. And then we've got, you know, some younger folks who uh, need a little more guidance. And I think it's just, you know, of course, scaling towards the individual and uh, really trying to work within, you know, whatever that parameter is.
0: I can see how it probably is much easier for a more experienced person because, you know, they've seen different situations and they're probably, you know, they can adjust easier. But, but how do you train a junior person, someone that might be fresh into the agency world or someone that has very little experience? Does Do you bring them in and into the office and work with them um, you know, for a certain period of time before you kind of release them out in the wild, into the wild? Oh,
1: yeah, absolutely. Um, any new hire, for that matter, uh, we always start with some period of time in the office, simply even for somebody who could do the job you know, uh, blindfolded because they've got so much experience. Part of it is culture and getting to know your coworkers and understanding everybody's work style. And, uh, we had a gentleman that worked for us a couple of years ago who lived in Texas. And at that point he was our only truly remote employee. Um, we, all the rest of us were working from home part of the time, but he just wasn't in the office even on the days when the rest of us were. Mm -hmm. So we made an effort to fly him in, um, once a month, uh, sometimes more often, for key meetings with the client and or key dis- internal discussions, kickoffs or brainstorming or whatever it might be, as well as fun stuff, right? When we get together and go out to lunch or or go bowling or whatever we might be doing. So you absolutely, as a dispersed workforce, have to create some sort of a culture. Um, we're really fortunate right now that that the people that are our full-time employees all just happen to live in San Francisco, which has never happened before. Mm -hmm. Um, We've never had everybody in San Francisco. They've been throughout the Bay Area, but everybody's in town. So that part of it's a little bit easier. But as we bring in new people, we absolutely have them come in. And again, the length of how long we might have them work in the office with somebody, coaching them and working more one-on-one with them. Uh, will vary depending on their level of experience. So if it's their first job out of college or they don't have a ton of experience, they're certainly going to have to work a little bit longer probably with somebody to get a feel for what the expectations are and how to stay self-motivated, how to create a list, or, you know, all the different tools that are out there to help you stay self-directed when you're working from home. Um, and then somebody who's got a little bit more experience, that's obviously not as necessary. Um, we also bring in a lot of I, I hate to use the word freelance talent now because in California that's not really the case, but uh vendors that we work with and then other employees that we have made part time flexible employees um
0: mm-hmm.
1: so that we can work with them as needs arise and and stay within the limitations of California's law around, you know, who truly is an employee. And those folks Again, may not come into the office, sometimes we ask them to. Um, if they're completely out of the area, then that's at our expense. If they're in the Bay Area, they'll just bart in or come to the office for an afternoon or whatever it might be. Uh, but we also include them in all of our video chats. We do, as Richard mentioned, we have two of those a week that involve the entire team for status. And then we use that tool as needed throughout the work week. So it's a way to pull people in and make them feel that they're part of it. Um, and then we also use currently HipChat, um, which I believe is going away, so that'll be changing. But we have an IM tool that we use so that we can all uh, stay very spur of the moment uh, in touch with each other, and that helps as well. So you're not waiting for somebody to respond to email, um, but that adds a whole nother layer of training, right? Which mm-hmm. medium or which communication medium makes the most sense for your need. Do you really want to interrupt somebody to ask them about a meeting uh, that's in two days? Maybe that's a better to be an email than to be an instant message, you know? And, and so we try to work with them to understand which one of those mediums makes the most sense so we're not disrupting each other throughout the day.
0: What you just said is actually quite interesting, also from our own experience here. Um, when, you, when you bring in freelancers that are not full-time, you know, they're usually... Uh, a bunch of challenges that come with that. Um, it, it's quite hard to kind of get them in line with the company philosophy and culture that you have. They probably work on other projects too um, because they're only part-time with you, um, which could lead to delays in delivery. Um, how how have you overcome these challenges? And what other challenges potentially have you discovered, encountered um, that you had to find a solution for?
2: Well, working with freelancers, I, I think, is all about setting expectations out of the gate. Um, and, you know, often you find out that you have that need under a condensed timeline. So we keep a, a stable of folks that we've uh, proven uh, and, and tested or they've proven themselves, uh, and we continue to use them. Um, I, I think that the first couple engagements, though, it is just about being very straightforward in terms of timing, deliverables, needs, next steps, check-ins. I do a lot of heavy monitoring Mm -hmm. on workflow uh, to keep us on track. So again, tools like Basecamp are indispensable um, and holding people accountable. Um, I I guess we haven't really had uh, an issue with people not delivering. I I think expectations just out of the gate. Uh, Folks don't want to disappoint.
1: Yeah, sorry. The other thing that I do think is important that Richard and I have tried to do from the beginning is only work with people whose business it is to be freelance. Uh, We don't do people who do it on the side and have another job, those sorts of things, because in those situations, you are destined to run into more problems, right? There Mm -hmm. may be some people out there that are great at that and understand I have my full-time job and I come home tonight and I gotta work till this thing gets done, whatever this thing is. Um, But we've had greater success trying to work exclusively with people who have a business providing backup copywriting or design work or you know backends, uh, HTML coding, whatever it might be, because it's their business. So they tend therefore to be a lot more invested in it than if it's a side gig. Um, and again, not nothing against the side gig community. Um, and we've had some folks who have been great, but our experiences, again, the way we work and the speed at which we work as a smaller agency, it just makes more sense for us to work with people who do it as as a business.
0: Any business that that, that grows, or the other way that that loses a client and therefore um, has to make adjustments, is always faced with the situation: what am I going to do with the talent? Whether you know, you have to look at whether you can still employ everyone, or you know, you need uh, additional people. How do you guys approach that situation?
1: Um, About, I'd say about a year and a half ago, uh, we decided that we wanted to run a little bit leaner and meaner with our Mm full-time folks. Um, So we did uh, have some layoffs and moved to more of what I always now call the A-team. Um, an amazing group of employees, the best we've ever had, who are just very self-directed and very good at what they do. And if you didn't meet that kind of high threshold, um then, then we didn't pull you forward into this new model. And then we got more serious about backfilling with the best people we could find. And, you know, more and more as, again, the philosophy of what work is and does it really have to be sitting at the same desk every day, for 8 or 9 or 10 or 12 hours is changing and people are looking at it differently, I think we're coming to the conclusion that a lot of times the very best people don't want a job sitting at a desk every day. Mm -hmm. So we go out and find the very best people who are the very best for the current need. And I know a lot of agencies talk about that, but we've been putting this in practice for some time now and we're getting better work and we've got happier people because the people that are with us are the key people we need every day. And then we go out and find these other folks who fill the need. And as Richard said, it's kind of been a little bit of blood, sweat, and tears, but we have a really good bench of folks that we go to now that we know we can count on. And so we've got that in place. And then if something unusual comes up, we've been doing this long enough, and um, our managing director's also been in the Bay Area doing this a long time, we can put it out to our network and usually find some really good well-vetted resources to help fill a specific niche need, Mm -hmm. Um, but we're just getting better people because folks are changing the way they think about work and more and more of them just don't want that Monday through Friday sitting at a desk job, um, or more of the really good ones, I should say. So we're able to pull in better work that way. Um, And hopefully that prevents us the way, now that we're at this model. Um, This year has been huge for us and we just hit a billing milestone um, and it's one of the smallest crews we've ever had. So it just shows that this model can work. If you've got the right folks as your boots on the ground every day, and then the right folks as your bench of people to come in and pinch it when you need them to.
0: By the way, congratulations to meeting the milestone where you are at you. the moment, you are you're six years into uh hero marketing. And at this point, as you said, you have a bench of people that you used before, you know, you can call them in and, they will deliver. But let's look back six years. So when you when you started, how did you how did you approach building the team then? And and what challenges did you have? So, um, you know, the two of you founded the company. um, You got your first client. um, Probably back then, 2012, the entire distributed workforce model wasn't that hot. So what did you do back then? To to kind of deliver great results to your clients
2: wow well going back in the time machine uh it it was a crazy beginning so um i think we just worked our butts off for about um probably a half a year um our first client uh engaged us and uh, after a little business travel we came back i think with three dozen projects um so you know, having done this for a number of years, Lynn and I went into SWAT mode, and and quickly assembled the team that we needed, um, making some key hires out of the gate. Um, I think a lot of it goes back to really trusting each other in your strengths and knowing how to make up for uh, areas that you might be lacking in um, in terms of your your talents and personality type.
1: A big part of it was it was really the two of us in kind of uh, head-down mode, and um, I was living out of state and working at the client's office every day and then going back to my hotel and working with Richard in the evening um, so that we could pull this stuff together. And, and originally, we were relying on some freelance help, and we stumbled a little bit at finding the right people. Um, the challenge was we knew a really great account lead who actually ended up becoming our first hire, and he's still with us our very first employee. So shout out to Alex Van Wagner. Um, but we were reluctant to get him on board because we didn't want him to quit a job where he had a salary and benefits mm-hmm. because we still needed to prove that we could do this. And we were so early in our existence. Um, and so eventually we got past that, I think, fear that we both had that we're going to convince this guy to quit a job and this isn't going to be real. And we brought him on board and, and it's been no looking back since then. Um, but we really, you know, again, I think you, we bootstrapped Hero 100% me and Richard. And I think you have a, a very different perspective when you don't have money in the bank, except your own savings that is making this thing happen. And so it was a lot of, again, us really working and head down and making it happen. But one or two really great hires can make a big difference. And we were lucky to find early on a good graphic designer that came on board and was with us for a few years, a couple of great account people. Um, and it just worked. And, you know, again, there's no, I think, secret sauce other than you got to, you just got to work hard and believe in yourself that you can make it and it'll become a real business and you'll be able to make salary and, pay taxes and, and do all of that stuff. But uh, I will say, Stefan, you mentioned that dispersed workforce, of course, wasn't such a thing in 2012, but we didn't get our first office for well over a year. Um, we trusted that we were bringing on the right people, and we worked together, um, again, virtually for about the first year, a little bit over maybe before we got our first office. Um, and that helped us because there wasn't that pressure of all the operational costs that go along with having an office.
0: So keeping the overhead very low at the end of the day.
1: Yes. Uh, investing more in people yeah. than in operational overhead. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: So did your first hire come from from your network, from people that you worked with before? Or did you have to go out cold into the market and, and see who responded to, to the job uh, application?
2: Oh, our philosophy has always been to hire someone you know, someone who's proven. Uh, so we reached out to, um, uh, past coworkers. Uh, that was the best solution. I, I do think even when we tried to, uh, trust on references, uh, what someone else had to say, you just never know. And, uh, some of those experiences didn't work out. So, um, you know, frontline experience, uh, with coworkers, um, uh, or, you know, past clients has been our answer.
1: Yeah. And I will say Alex, who was our very first employee, was somebody that um, Richard had worked with directly at a previous agency. And he early on kind of raised his hand and said, I'd love to be part of what you guys are doing, um, which is fantastic. Right. Again, these self-directed entrepreneurial kind of people. Mm-hmm. Um, again, we we were a little bit more reluctant because he had a job and he had a salary and he had benefits. And um So it it took us a little while of trying freelance people, again, that were from our networks, but were 100 percent just doing account services kind of stuff to realize we got to we got to move on this guy. And um, we brought him in. And thankfully for us, certainly he was perfect. And was willing to jump in just like he was part of the team and put his head down and work along with us. And he's now our senior most client strategist. And again, it's been with us six and a half years and it's been fantastic. And he's contributed hugely to our growth and to our team. And um, again, we try to recognize that and make it clear to him that we appreciate that. Um, and we had an all about Alex day um, on his fifth (laughs) anniversary and we all went out and had a great time and celebrated Alex because he's been a a truly a key member of the team but again I think sometimes you you stumble onto somebody that you worked with or again they may self-identify and just say I want to be part of what you guys are doing and if they're not afraid of quitting a job that has all those guarantees and coming to something that's in startup mode that's a sign that you've probably got the right person
0: we talked a lot about um, about distributed workforce from your perspective um, how is that going to develop uh, you know in five ten years um, are we going to see more from your perspective so more people actually working remote um, companies um, going towards having fewer people in the office? And more people, you know, outside of, of the state, outside of the city where they're placed, um, or do you feel there is going to be a correction to this to this movement?
1: Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I don't know that I think it would be a correction. Um, I I think it's the future, and I think every human, uh, and certainly Americans in a very capitalist, fast paced society, I think our definitions again of what work has to be is changing quickly. Uh, I think it's going to be harder and harder for organizations to not somehow bend to the will of this workforce that doesn't want to be tied to a desk every day. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I do think some of the larger, maybe slower moving organizations are going to have a harder time with that. It's a That's a big sea change for them. And you see some people, again, correcting against it and saying, nope, you know, again, famously as Yahoo did a couple of years ago, everybody's got to be in an office. Um, We had a client that we worked with for a couple of years that they were based in the Southeast Bay, um, but they recognized that to get really great marketing and advertising talent, having a San Francisco office would be advantageous, so they did. They had marketing and advertising in San Francisco, um, and then they had a leadership change, and he said, I want everybody in the same building. I think we work better when we're together. So in that case, it wasn't even that they were working from home and, and necessarily dispersed workplace. They were just in two different locations that were, you know, an hour BART right away from each other. Um, so I think it will be interesting the next few years. And I think different size companies and different types of companies will respond differently. There's obviously some industries where you have to go into your office and you have to be there, but I do think we'll start seeing more flexible schedules and maybe job sharing and other things to drive higher employee satisfaction. Uh, I don't think this is an agency only issue. The challenge that agencies have are we're a client services industry, right? So if Mm -hmm. I have East Coast clients and they want people on an East Coast schedule, I need East Coast people or I've got teams that are getting up at five in the morning, right? Yeah. And vice versa. So so in some ways, it's easier for us to have employees out of the area. In other ways, it's not so much because right now, we happen to have all West Coast clients. So an East Coast candidate may not love the idea of working on a West Coast schedule. If we didn't drive our business with client work, that might be slightly different. But uh, again, I, I'm i a firm believer that we're going to continue to get the very best people by offering more flexibility in in what the definition of work looks like and so we're committed to it and um, we'll see if my uh, predictions come true um richard i don't know if you feel yeah feel any differently
2: i don't (laughs) (laughs)
0: lynn richard thank you so much for your time and and talking to me about your thoughts on, on on you know right sizing a business getting the right talent in um you know, in-house versus distributed workforce. Um, if companies are interested in Hero Marketing and uh, are looking for an integrated marketing and advertising agency, how can they get in touch with you?
2: Oh, please just go to our website, hero marketing.com, Click the contact page and shoot us an email.
0: Well, that's very easy. Um, we also are going to put this in uh, in the description of the podcast, just in case. Um, thanks everyone for listening. If you like the performances of that podcast, please subscribe to us and leave us a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast application. If you want to find out more about Symphonic Digital, you can find us at symphonicdigital.com or follow us on Twitter using our handle at symphonichq. Thanks again, and see you next time. Performance Delivered is sponsored by Symphonic Digital. Discover audience-focused and data-driven digital marketing solutions for small and medium businesses at symphonicdigital.com.